The following is not legal advice coming from an attorney. Nothing more than a father speaking from his own experience. Should you need actual legal advice, contact an attorney. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. The show where real men band together, stand up for father's rights, and bring the father's truth out of the darkness, out of the darkness, and in to the light. Giving fathers a voice everywhere. A broadcast brought to you by the Father's Lives Matter Network. Here's your host, Alan Donovan. All right. Good evening, guys. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. I'm Alan Donovan, and I've got Damien back with us again for episode number two. Now, if you guys remember his last episode, we kind of went through the genesis of his story, kind of what was leading up to everything. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the court cases afterwards, and then we're going to get into um, actually recalling the judge. So, Damien, how are you doing tonight, brother? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Doing great. Excellent. So I'm excited to hear the next part of your story. So why don't you go ahead and take yeah. off with it? Yeah. And uh, once again, thank you for having me and uh, Evil Stepmom United and everybody else out there for the cause. Absolutely. Appreciate it. So it's been uh, about a week and a half or maybe two. I don't remember exactly where I'm at, but I have a good idea. So please excuse me if I bring up redundant points. But um, after a little while, it'll, it'll flow again. So, um, going back to the point where I remember with the last case where we left off, you know, I was, um, having my son Malachi testify and, uh, you know, cause you know, my, my kid's mom was making these claims that, you know, my, my house is rat infested and, you know, and, and dirty, the kids eating, you know, cereal out of dirty Tupperware bowls for dinner. And which, and like I said before, like anybody knows me, I'm, I'm, I'm a cooking mofo. Like I, I get down. Like I, that's, you know, me and my my current girlfriend, you know, my life partner, um, we're kind of opposite, you know, because I need a house with a kitchen. She needs an extra bathroom, you know. So it's just kind of funny like that. But uh, also, what I forgot to mention last time is while we were together, um, and this is also going back to the psychological abuse that all three of the kids have been harboring since she, you know, found out about her and took the kids, um, there was things going on with my son who was, I say like 10 at the time, and uh, that was happening when I was at work, you know, like in the, in, he was just so non-confrontational, didn't want to cause conflict, you know, and never said anything about it, but I could kind of read his body language, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I, and I came in one time and he was super, super, super sick and just asked, uh, you know, my kid's mom to make him, you know, a bowl of soup. And I walked in and she's like, no, you need to make it yourself. You know, and I'm like, make what himself? Oh, oh, he's not feeling good. And then and he has to make him soup. But I'm, I'm going to the kitchen to do it right now. And then, it, and then it got to the point where, you know, all these things are going on when I wasn't at home. And, um, you know, like I said before, and I find out the fact before, I, I've had custody of him since he was three years old. Mm-hmm. And it got so bad with her that he actually moved in with his mom for like about a span of 18 months because he just he, he couldn't take it. And I feel bad because, you know, he, he's he just he wanted me to be happy and he didn't want to say, hey, dad, and pull me aside. You know, and you understand it's, it's a little kid, you know. Yeah. So that was kind of my basis also for the psychological abuse that that still continues to happen with all the three kids 
you know, so, you know, making the point coming back from the show from last week, you know, I have my son that's elated that I brought him back home and got him out of that park lot in the camper trailer. I have her daughter, you know, begging me to come back and move with me. Um, one of the times that we met uh, for the child exchange, her, her other son, you know, I took my, I took our son and common to the bathroom and he comes jumping out and he runs up to me because all these kids are afraid to talk in front of her and, and Eduardo, her boyfriend, because they're, 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 they're run by fear. They're instilled their fear. And, you know, he's going to kidnap you and he's going to do all these horrible things. And even her youngest son said, Damien, I want to come back and live with you. And I said, you know what? And then reiterating what we went last week, I said, I don't have the same rights to you as I have with your brother. You know, so it's, it's solely up to your mom. You know, so, you know, you, you, you look at that. And, you know, on, on my drive, I've been, up, I've been updating documents as we go on videos. So I have my child and two children that I took care of and raised asking me, begging me to come back to move with me. And then six months later, I have, they don't even want to talk to me. Well, and I think, you know, I think a, a good thing to point out right now with that is that's a very common thing for children who are alienated. They go from, you know, totally loving you and wanting to be with you to, not willing to talk to you at all. Yeah. And it's strictly so, because they've been alienated, they've been coached. And like you said, there's a fear there. There's a very real fear that that parent instills in the child that makes it so they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to interact with you at all because they're scared of what's going to happen to them. Yeah. It's, it's not just the parent, you know, it's also the significant other, you know, because, you know, uh, from what I understand, everybody stands about him. He's, control freak and we'll get into that more you know but just to make the point that you know for instance i caught her uh her other son on um google hangouts and asked him hey what do you want for your birthday and she chimes in and says you know you leave my kids alone because now you keep trying to contact my kids i want to file a lawsuit for harassment against you and i'm like for asking your kid what he wants for his birthday like what is wrong with you so that was that. Um, one of the times that I went to Elko, um, they, the kids, uh, the son was having a soccer game. The daughter was there. Didn't see the, I didn't talk to the daughter at all, even though I'm from, you know, me to the wall. And it was just uh, talking to him, completing, uh, you know, ignorance, ignoring me. And I was making my way down the soccer field. <clears throat> And her son was coming down the soccer field. And we we at, we hit the ramp at the same time because there's a, a Z ramp that comes down to the soccer field. So I was like, hey, buddy, how's it going? And he's walking in front of me and just, eh, you know, hey, I miss you guys. I love you guys. I hope you guys are doing good. You know, you guys are welcome to come back whenever you want. Still got your room. Still got your toys. And uh, instead of a response, he ducks underneath the railing and he walks down the dirt hill to the field. Just completely avoids me altogether. You know, and it, that hurt, you know, but I mean, it, it, going back to the point where, you know, all of this uh, attitude towards me and how they feel about me, obviously, that's not coming from me, you know, and her daughter Snapchatted me and texted me, I want to come back. And um, after a couple months, she didn't respond to me. And I, and I, out of the blue, I, you know, I, I sent her a snap, said, hey, I miss you and your brother and uh, hope everything's going good. Um, I just hope you guys, you know, aren't you know scared of your situation and uh you're still welcome to come back and then she chimes in again what is your problem putting stuff into my kids heads you should be ashamed of yourself i'm like i'm just saying it exactly how it is and also that conversation is also in my drive 
you know, wow. the conversation between me and her daughter. I, I don't have any physical proof of me and her younger son at the uh, at the transfer spot in, in Lovelock, Nevada. But I mean, you can probably take my word for it at this point, you know. And uh, so I get scolded for trying to put stuff into their heads. When and, and like I said, the, the the message is there for people to read, and I'm not I'm not doing anything, you know. So uh, that part of the alienation with them, you know, like this is this is mind blowing. And and for the for me to prove the the fact that I already went through this with her other kid's dad, and going back to the show last week, you know, because at the time. You know, everything that's happening to me was happening to him. And the situation was pretty much the same. And it got to the point now they haven't seen their real dad in probably seven years. And she's admitted that to the judge. And I'll get to that later when the when the when that judgment got reversed. You know, but I, I ended up being him, you know, but he's really kind of a bad guy. Um, and I'm I'm not. I mean, I've had my faults and everything, but in comparison, it's not. It's know? a night and day kind of thing, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a career criminal, meth head. Um you know, cheating on her, beating on her kind of, kind of things. And, you know, it's just, I guess this is the kind of guy that she's attracted to, you know? So all that being said, um, you know, the, the last time when we're going back to the last visitation fiasco where I think we left off, um, you know, I picked up my son and the, uh, the son got out of the car, the daughter got out of the car. I'm like, Hey kids, how you doing? How you guys doing? And no response. And I said, hey, you guys doing all right? And they look at the mom and, you know, she looks at them and, you know, scolds them. And I remember going over that. Yeah. And that was pretty much the last time that other than when I had um, messaged the daughter and the son asking him what he wants for his birthday is the last time I had contact with him, even when I drive to Elko, because they did, they completely avoid me because they're, they're ridden by fear. So that being said, you know, when we were in court. Um, you know, she was sit there and tell the judge that our son that, you know, that, that we're going through this whole ordeal with was terrified and mortified of being kidnapped. Anytime he would hear a noise in the camper trailer, he'd run to the room and he'd be trembling in, in absolute terror, you know? And uh, obviously with the videos that I've uploaded to my drive, that can be read. Um, the day that I brought him home, we're singing karaoke at my ice business, you know, and he's telling me he wants to be here and he wants to be that. And again, going back and was apologized for being repetitious, but, how does it go from the kids loving me and wanting to be here to, you know, not have one other to do with me? That's alienation. And I proved that to the judge. The judge just, he swept it under the rug because he does, obviously doesn't care. Yeah. So, um, at that, so that court, that court date, you know, um, uh, I was making the point that my kid's mom, when she got with the gentleman she's with now, um, he was married. And the reason that he got his wife kicked him out is because she got, he got her girlfriend pregnant. So my, my kid's mom went into the relationship with a married man being the stepmom of her husband's wife's girlfriend's child. Yeah. Wait, it's, wait say, say that, say that one more time again. She is the stepmom of her married husband's wife's girlfriend's child. Wow. You know, and that, that shit you don't hear every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and, sorry, and, but you know, that's just crazy. And for the judge to, you know, essentially just kind of overlook that. Yeah. I mean, it's mind blowing. And then going back to what I told you last week, he said, all oh, relationships, relationships got to start somewhere. You know, it's like, okay, well, most people do it the right way, you know? So um, then, you know, there was the issue of the camper trailer. 
Um, I'd also like to say that I've even to this day, as of yesterday, you know, they they were they were leeching off the the Wi-Fi of the sports bar where, where they were where they were living, and still uh, constant interference. I you know going back to last week trying to talk to him and they draws attention. He would he would sit in between her and her boyfriend, and you have to imagine the amount of of fear and everything that they're being that he's being instilled with. He can't talk to me. Yeah. You know, he can't say, Dad, like this, you know, they're fighting again. They're fighting again because these that's that's what he's truly scared of. Yeah. You know, his repercussions of of him being vocal and, and calling out to me for help because he's not gonna do none of the kids are gonna do that. That's obvious. You know, so and and then again in my arguments with my um with my my declarations and everything. You know, I said, I still can't talk to my kid. They're still pulling him away. So the judge's solution to that, oh, have him go talk outside in the parking lot. Okay, they live in a sports bar. So you want my kid to stand in the parking lot with his tablet while people are drinking and driving in and out, people probably fighting, smoking bigorettes outside. And your solution, instead of doing your job and enforcing the court order, have him go stand outside so we can get hit by a drunk driver? Like, you know and Damien, the more you tell me about this judge, the more my mind is just fucking blown on yeah. so many levels. And, and like I said before, it's, it's, it, it, it is so bizarre. It's almost the fact that, that I'm making it up. But like I said, like I can, I'm going to upload all my court documents, everything. And you'll see that it's just, you know, like, and I go back to last week, you know, I'm here with three generations of our family, you know, and, and, and some of our friends and mutual friends, and like I said, they said, if we didn't know you and we didn't know the situation, this is, it's, it's a fucking Hollywood tale. This is like, it's just out there, you know? And for him to, to keep accommodating her and trying to make, you know, trying to make the best, like, would you let your kid go out and talk to you in a parking lot of a sports bar on his tablet because his parents and won't let him have a single conversation with me? Hell no, you wouldn't. You know, so the judge says, you know what, um, I, I, I see, you know, that you're, that you're, you're married and or you're allegedly married. So if you can provide to me the decree of divorce, then I'm going to award custody to you. If you guys can't come up with it, then, then the dad gets custody, which that right there in itself is like, why are you going to base the custody situation on that with all the instability and all the alienation, all the psychological abuse before that? What, what what is that after she's been proven and known to submit falsified documents she's making documents at home she's altering you know records and you sit here and still ask her to submit this decree so the, the decree of divorce comes in again the night before the trial so my attorney had actually hired a private investigator to investigate it um the private i get a call I'm at walmart and the, my attorney says, hey, um, we got a decree of divorce, but the private attorney has looked up the court record from the court number, and it's not even in the record. So the, the, court, the court docket number or whatever, they couldn't find it by that. They could find, you know, uh, marital uh, certificates and stuff from the last name. Last name is Mendoza. I mean, it's pretty common. You know, Eduardo Mendoza, there's probably two million of those. You know, yeah. so, 
so she submits that and then that point you know the trial gets dragged on and okay well now now his situation is your guys is living situation you guys live in a tow camper in a parking lot of a casino bar and it's not ideal you know so he says what i want you guys to do is you need to buy a house and have a permanent living situation because going back to the show last week at this point they've already moved eight times in four years they can't keep a place for more than six months and they've had roommates they've had roommates uh two of those times that i know about and after the roommate's gone you know it's oh we're moving again we're moving again and it made me think that what are they running from what why you know you you work at this your your you know the boyfriend her husband is this uh, foreman manager of, you know, Newmont Mining Corporation in Elko, one of the most, you know, biggest gold mine uh, operations in, in, the, in our country. And you can't keep a friggin' apartment. You have to live in a tow camper? Like, well, you know, and it certainly seems like they're un trying to fly under the radar from something. I mean, in yes. my mind, if somebody is moving multiple times and then getting roommates, and as soon as that roommate's out, they bail. I mean, there's definitely something shady going on that they're trying to keep ahead of. Yeah. And unfortunately, I haven't, you know, I, all, I, all the, you know, tens of thousands of dollars I spent, I can't keep the, the pay a private eye too, you know, but there's, like, like you said, there's something. There, there's, you know, either you're really bad with your money or you're not, you know, as affluent as you guys are portraying, but you know, you're going between Nevada and Elko, Nevada and Elk, or Nevada and Idaho, Nevada, Idaho, back to Nevada. You know, it has, does it have to do with your, your kid's mom? Like, cause you don't want to see your own kid. Cause like I said before, like he doesn't even really see, he has, I think like seven kids. Oh, holy cow. Uh, most of them are grown, but he has, you know, at least one younger one that I know of. And like I said before, you know, from, you know, a credible source and, and one of her family members, like he doesn't he won't even see his kid like the mom has to drive take a two-hour drive to literally drop him off and come back and pick him up you know so whatever the case i mean that's just that's what they do you know um they've been in this apartment now since july 3rd and they were in the tow camper for about a year prior to that so my whole basis when i first went and brought him back was the instability issue because obviously four school districts in two years and eight places of residences in four years and it's instability, volatile relationship. The kid telling the judge and his minors counsel that they've been fighting. They fight all the time in, in the front camper, in the bedroom, and yada, yada, yada. So the judge makes a motion, says, okay, well, you guys need to find uh, permanent housing. Um, you guys, because she was sitting here telling everybody, oh, uh, first is we're buying a house, or we're remodeling a house. So that fell through. I said, so what's going on with the remodel? Oh, we decided against it because we're just going to build our own home. I'm like, okay, so you guys started this remodel. You probably put at least, you know, a couple tens of thousands of dollars into it and just back out of it. Now He's you guys are it all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. Now you guys are building your dream home. And I said, you know what? Like with the amount of money that, that I make with, with, uh, you know, my girl, my girlfriend, we make a lot more than a lot of people. And I can't even afford to build my own home, you know, especially in California or yeah. even in Nevada, probably in Mexico, you know. So he says to her, you guys need to buy a home. It's like, oh, we've already been pre-approved for a loan. And we got pre-approved for $250,000 right when we walked in the door, which is BS because this phone that I have right here is her old phone and it's her old phone number. So this is now my work phone. So I still get bill collectors that call me at least once a month looking for her. 
And I'm glad to tell them her new phone number. I'm glad to tell them, you know, her PO box and where they're living and everything. So I know for a fact, especially if they have multiple evictions under their belt, they're not going to get pre-approved. There ain't no lender out there that's oh, going to do that. Hell no. So hell she no. goes into the, the, the lending office and says, oh, you know, can you please write a letter to the court saying that we're trying to get a loan? So they're glad to oblige because I could do that if my credit was shot and I was, I could go in there and say, Hey, I really want to get a loan with you guys. Can you write a letter? Say I'm getting a loan. And the, and the, the letter was really vague. It said, you know, Mrs. Your, my kid's mom and, uh, and the, the boyfriend are taking steps to acquire a loan with us. They're taking steps. That means. Yeah. But that's not, that's not a guaranteed loan. Yeah, no, you got credit counseling. You have to do this. You have to do that. They never, ever, ever showed the pre-approved two hundred fifty thousand dollars that they're approved for. My attorney says, "Where's the pre-approval letter?" They have some vague letter that any lender would write to any customer, saying, "Yeah," because if I was a lender and I had somebody come in and say, "Hey, this is everything you got to do," because yeah, I want your business, you know, but you guys got to tighten up your ship, you know. But well, you know, and and it sounds a lot like you know the junk mail that you get from the credit card companies. Yeah, saying, yeah. hey, you know, guess what? You can get this, you can get that. But it's sure as shit not a pre-approval for a yeah, house. It, yeah, nonetheless. They so they never never provided a pre-approval letter. You know, the judge took that vague letter as, oh my God, they're on their way. Yeah, in probably about 10 years when you pay off all your debt. I don't know his credit situation, but you can probably pretty much guess. You know, so um, then, we, then we come back to another case or another trial. Cause he, so they're supposed to have buy a house by the beginning of spring. Spring came, she provides this bogus letter. They don't have anything. And then her story was, Oh, the house that we fell in love with went into escrow a week before we were able to buy it, you know, and uh, how convenient, you know what I mean? So then he extends it until, okay, well, I'm going to give you guys until, you know, autumn to, um, to, uh, to, to get your house, which never happened, you know? So, um, before we went to the next trial, they, uh, from what she had told the judge, they had rented an apartment, they got an apartment. And I think we went to trial on July. It was late July and they had acquired this apartment on July 3rd, according to her testimony. And I'm guessing someone had to co-sign for them because I mean, if I'm an apartment owner and I see your, your living history, there's no way I'm going to rent to you, you know? So, um, uh, that was, you know, they, they moved. So I had taken my son back to his mom, uh, a day before his eighth birthday. And, uh, he was talking to me and this is one of the rare times that he was able to talk to me without them being around because I know that because she didn't make, make the comment that I knew she had moved, but he said, dad, we don't live in the camp anymore. We have an apartment. And I'm like, Oh, that's nice. Well, what's the apartment look like? He's like, well, there's nothing in it right now. And I'm like, okay, well, do they get an apartment or is this like, you know, kind of smoke and mirrors, you know? So, then he's like, dad, I'm going to be going camping for the next week and uh, I'm not going to be able to talk to you. And then she has said the same thing. I'm like, okay. So, you know, 16 days later, um, I haven't talked to my kid. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me, let me backtrack. Uh, a few days after that conversation, she says, Hey, 
uh, our son has left um, a shirt and a book that he got for his birthday. So I need you to mail it to me and send it to this PO box. And this is their third, their third PO box. I'm like, okay, well, what about sending it to your apartment? And she's like, no. She's like, you can send it to the PO box. I said, court orders, when, I need to be notified within one calendar day after your move. I said, here we are almost on August. And, uh, you know, I, I, what I had thought at the time is they had just acquired the apartment days, like the 25th is what I, I was guessing. You know, so I said, no, so give me your address. Like, no, I'm not going to give you my address. I'm going to, you can send the stuff to the PO box. And I said, look, I said, out of the eight times that you have moved and moved the kids around, the only time I've ever had your address is when I got you your apartment at Fawnbrook. I said, so you can either A, follow the court order and give me your address immediately, or I'm going to send the cops to look for you. And she said, that's fine. You know, go ahead send the cops, give the cops my phone number. They're welcome to come over, but you're not getting my address. Said, uh, okay, fine. And that was that. Um, I put out, uh, I called the Elko Sheriff Department. Uh, I, I made, uh, I tried to make a missing person report. So this is where it gets crazy because the day I bring my kid home, she has me on the news for kidnapping. My kid has been missing for almost two weeks and they won't do a missing kids report. They're, they're doing, I can't remember the term where, they're actively searching, but they put an APB out in four different jurisdictions, the Elko Sheriff Department, the Carlin Sheriff Department, Nevada, the Nevada Highway Troopers, and I think the Elko Police Department. I, I believe they have two departments. I might be wrong, but I know it's four different jurisdictions. They're out there looking for her for two weeks. Um, I actually get into direct contact with uh, the uh, sheriff, working my case that's actively searching for them. You know, so I try to give him a heads up. I said, you know what, I basically not everything we've gone over, but um, just the major points about the fake alleged kidnapping. I said, she's really, really, really manipulative. I said, she's really believable because she does come off like that. And I said, so, um, you know, just don't, don't fall for any tricks, you know, or any smoke and mirrors. So he's off for five days, and then I have another sheriff that kind of picks up his slack until he gets back, and he was, he was awesome. He was like, you know what? I'm a dad. I know what you're going through. And he's like, I would not condone this at all. And the other, the other sheriff I don't think had kids either because this is the way it's going to end up. So um, they end up, you know, so then it gets transferred back to uh, the, the other sheriff in my case. So um, she sends me this email, and this is where I kind of fucked up. She sends me this email on, on the day that they, find, they finally got tracked down. And I've been trying to talk, call my kid for 16 days. Nothing. I don't know where they are. I can't. There's, they don't have Wi-Fi. Still to this day, they don't have Wi-Fi. They can't afford it. And uh, so and then let me backtrack again. So I'm sorry, but I keep bouncing around. No, no, not a problem, man. When the judge made the order for them to buy the house, she had told the judge that oh, my, my, my husband or fiance at the time, he's a, a foreman at a, at a gold mine and he's getting a huge Christmas bonus that we're going to put down for a down payment on the house. Okay. So, you know, going back to where, you know, her cousin and her husband and everything, and, and even from my kid's mom's own testimony, you know, since he's a foreman, he eliminated overtime and he eliminated uh, 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 Christmas bonuses. You know, and that's been a fact for over a year. But then again, thinking back, like, 
what kind of company is going to give somebody a Christmas bonus that's big enough to put it on a down payment on a house? Well, exactly, man. That's it. I mean, we're talking what, depending on the house, anywhere from 25 to 50,000. Exactly. Yeah, at least 20, not more. You know? So the median price for a four bedroom house at the time in Elko was two thirty-five. She's telling the judge, Oh, we have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in a Christmas bonus and we got pre-approved for 250 grand. So you're telling me you're sitting on $280,000, but you're still living in a tow camper. You know, the judge, the judge, he's buying it up. He's eating it up. You know, like, Oh, that's great. And that's when I said, you know, last week, where he's sitting there blowing sunshine up her boyfriend's ass. Thank you for risking your life, you know, to mine the, 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 the our world's resources. And it was just, it was just bullshit, you know? So, um, and then I ended up getting the apartment. So let me come back now to where, um, I got the, e I got the email from her because I guess I'm, I'm more than certain that's when the cops had finally caught them or found them, you know, and she sends this email saying, you know what, it's your job to, uh, contact your son. It's not up to me. It's not up to him. Cause she does this whole facade where, you know, pushes everything back on me. When I show the court records of me calling and trying to get a hold of my son this whole time. And I lost it. I, I, I was pissed off and I ranted about a page and a half. And I said, you know what? I said, this whole case is bullshit. And I said, I cannot believe that you're getting away with everything that you're doing. You know, damn well, exactly everything I'm doing. I said, everybody knows, even your own family knows, all the steps I've been taking to, to maintain contact with my son. And I said, and it goes back to you and your kids and Derek about you alienating them from him. And then, so I told her, I was like, and this is where I, and I'm, I'm on my phone in a parking lot and writing an email and I'm, I'm fuming and I'm upset. I haven't talked to my kid in 16 days, you know, and I said, you know what, you know, I used to feel really bad when, you know, Derek would beat you up. And I said, but now, you know, sometimes I just wish they would have killed you, you know, and the way that I wrote it, 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 it's, it sounds harsh, but I, I intended, I honestly intended it to be like, like you, like, oh my God, I could just kill you, you know, it, but it, it came off completely wrong and it looks like it did. So that, that's my bad, you know, so when the, the, um, and then I said, it, it's okay because one day karma is going to catch up to you. Yeah. These points are important important because these were the basis of her fake restraining order that we get into in a little bit. Okay, Damien, I'm going to stop you right there because we are going to take a break okay. right this second. Alrighty. So guys, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be right back in a minute or two. Okay, thank you. Hey there, this is Xander, Alan's son. A couple times a month, my dad will be dropping a podcast featuring fathers from around the world who are fighting to be in their children's life. Each episode is a uniquely different story from a father's perspective. My dad is always looking for fathers to tell their stories. Reach out to him at fatherslivesmatter at gmail.com. Thank you. I'm Alan Donovan, and you are listening to The Father's Truth. I've got Damian Chango with me tonight, and we are on the second episode of his pretty crazy-ass story. All right, Damian, take it away. All right, so uh, leading off to, um, you know, the, 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 the crass email I wrote, um, I think that's understandable for parents, and I didn't, I just want to clarify, obviously, I don't want nothing ill to happen to her, you know, 
just obviously I don't, but well, it's, you know, and I think it's one of those things where it was said in the heat of the moment. Absolutely. You know, guys, I talk about this a lot. Um, Don't do something like that because no matter how it looks or what you intended for it to, you know, convey, it's going to convey the exact opposite. You know, one of the things I tell guys, you know, when I'm working with them is, you know, before you send a text or an email or anything like that, you know, look it over. And if it's not something that you would send to your mom, don't send it. Yeah. Take a 10 minute breather, uh, go walk around a little bit and, you know, smoke a cigarette if that's your thing. Yeah. Cause those emotions run red hot, man. Yeah. And when you're just trying to get your point across and get it sent out and, and, you know, again, like I've, like I going back, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate for, you know, my charity events for my, my organization with women. And I've never beaten on a woman my entire life, never had any sort of legal trouble with physical altercation with women. Cause that's just, that's not me. And she knows that, you know, cause I, you know, I rescued her out of you know, an abusive relationship, you know, so um, the email gets sent and then um, uh, the judge says, okay, well, I located her and I'm like, I'm not the judge. I'm sorry. Uh, sheriff, the, the sheriff that was working the case after he had came back after his five day hiatus, and okay, I, I, uh, I found out where they lived and I'm like, all right, cool. So I need the address. He's like, I can't give you the address. I'm like, why? He's all because you threatened to kill her and her family. And I'm like, I didn't make any threat. I said, what? Because I said, karma was going to come back on her. I'm like, okay, well, that's completely incorrect. He's like, well, I can't give you the address right now. And I said, all right, well, you know what? Check this out. And I sent him this very same exact email. I forwarded it completely unaltered. I said, look, to cover my ass because of the, the things that she's done with the fake kidnapping charges, the allegations of being a uh, bipolar, bank robber, cocaine dealing pimp. Um, I said, this is exactly the email I sent to her. And, I, and this is like I told, I told the audience, I said, if you got kids, you can imagine, you know, not just the 16 days I, I haven't gone with seeing my kid, but for the constant struggle of me just to have a simple video chat with him when I was assigned to. And then he never responded in anything. So you know, and that was that. Um, so we get back to court again in August. Uh, this is in August. And uh, again, my argument, same exact fucking thing. I cannot see my kid. I cannot video chat. I cannot talk to my kid. I said, I had to send four different jurisdictions to go look for her because she refused to give me her address for the seventh time when it's in the court order that each parent needs to notify the other parent with a one calendar, one calendar day of, of a, of, of a change of address. Okay. That's another part of the court order. The judge didn't give a shit, you know, skipped over all that. So we're in court, you know, and, um, I was having outbursts, but with her saying the same exact thing, I can't see him. When I come up to Elko, you, you have me driving on a cat and mouse chase. I get him the night after most of the time or when you're damn good and ready. And, you know, even now that I have this 48 hour permission gap that I need to ask you to come see my kids, I can't surprise them. You know, I, I, I don't have any contact with them. I, I can't do video chats um, because you guys are constantly pulling them away when you, when you're bleaching off Wi-Fi. the phone calls we used to have, I had, I stopped doing the phone calls for a couple of reasons. Um, when I would go to the meeting spot or I would be going to Elko, when I told her about it, it would just be a constant barrage of text messages from her 
you can imagine, oh, go here, go there. We're not coming. Oh, you drove too far. You better get here within 15 minutes. And then on yeah, top she's, of the she's fact. She's totally fucking with you at that point. Yeah. And on top of the fact that her boyfriend chiming in, you know, I'm in, I'm in bed with, you know, my girlfriend. Six o'clock in the morning, I'm getting texts from him saying, oh, you find this piece of shit. I'm going to wipe the street with your face and blah, blah, blah. Talking mad shit to me, which is also on my Google Drive. You know, there was a time when we went to Golconda for the meeting. And after I, I, at that time I had all the kids and I, I'd taken the kids there and they came with all the kids, got the kids packed up in the car and I'm driving off in my truck to get back on the highway. And I, I hear this knock and I look over there and he's kind of like jogging along with my truck. And I open, when I, when I'm in, you know, outside of California, I open carry. Okay. Yeah. And I have, I have my uh, CCW in 43 States just to make that clear. Um, but I open carry and that, I, I open carry in every state that I can that allows it because for one, the cops appreciate that. And for two, everybody knows if, you know, this guy's got a lot of jewelry, has a nice car or what have you. And I have, he has a gun unless I sneak up on him. I'm not going to want to fuck with this guy. So that being said, you know, um, I'm in my truck and I foolishly stop. I unlock the door. He opens the door and He's talking shit to me. He actually reaches for my sidearm because I, I wear it on my right hip. And I'm like, you know, kind of jar a little bit. He's like, what's up, man? You going to shoot me with your gat? He's like, what the fuck's your problem? I'm like, you know what? My fucking kids are in the car. I said, if I was a cop and he did that shit, your dead. brains would be all over the fucking windshield. Yep. You know, so he's sitting here and, and I don't have documentation of this, obviously, because it's, but again, I mean, I, everything I swear I love. You know, so he's sitting here threatening me and, and all that shit. And then he tells me, you know, well, if you want to talk to your kid, you have to start calling my phone and going through me. And I'm like, no, bro. I said, you ain't got shit to do with this. And I said, you know, like you, you guys, you know, you, you guys live in this fantasy world and, you know, and knowing all their history. But that was the thing. And I was able to I was actually able to show that. He, I'm sorry. He said that in a text message. And I was actually able to present that to the judge. I said, look, he's telling me right now that if I want to talk to my kid, I got to go through him. Judge didn't say shit about it. Didn't give a shit about it. You know, so um, he's just been confrontational uh, and, and try to be physically aggressive and physically combative with me. And so I told her, you know, we're not talking on the phone anymore. We're not um, texting anymore because I don't need to text you back and forth for four hours while I'm on a wild goose chase because you're not at the meeting spot that the way the court order is written. The court order is made so parents do not need to talk to one another. You're supposed to be at the spot at 5.30. If you're not there, you send an email. Hey, I'm running a little bit late. You know, answer, have my kid answer the tablet or answer the phone when I call. It's that fucking easy. I don't need to talk to you. I don't need to ask your permission, but she still insists on running this whole charade, you know? So, you know, presenting that to the, to, to the judge, he didn't give a shit about it. Um, so, you know, coming back to the August trial, you know, he's like, uh, um, she says that she admits that she moved. She's like, she was proud of their new apartment and everything. Well, we got an apartment. And I told my attorney when I found out about the apartment, I said, he said a long-term permanent living situation. Apartments. Yeah, mostly. I mean, a lot of people live there for a lot of number of years, but are you telling me you're going to live this apartment for the rest of your lives? You're building your dream home. You're buying a new house. So this is just yet another fucking stepping stone that you're, that you're, and encompassing for whatever amount of time until you end up losing that place also until you guys next fight until he kicks you out or until you catch him cheating on you with his wife you know it's not a permanent solution 
you going back where you're telling me that you have, you know, now we're on true, two Christmases, you're getting these tens of thousands of dollars bonuses and, and, and you guys rent an apartment, you know, who's, who's a roommate, you know, that was my first thing, but apparently there's not one, you know, maybe he's a big boy and he's finally doing it on, on his own. <laughs> so our court date was in August. And I, like I said prior, I thought she had moved um, a couple of days before I had taken our son back to her before his birthday. And so, and, and going back to, you know, my, my, my difficulty in having a virtual relationship with my son on the phone. And then again, pointing out about the alienation with her other kid's dad. And she sits there and says, yeah, my kids haven't seen, my other kids haven't seen their dad in five years because he's, he's a, he's a meth dealer and he's a, a career criminal. And then my attorney says, Hey, same thing you said about my client. Yeah. Same exact you know? thing. Yeah. So then he's like, when did you move? And she's like, we moved July 3rd. And she did not tell the courts. She did not tell Myers counsel, which ends up being her counsel. We'll get to that later. She doesn't tell anybody where she's moved. Again, for the, the seventh time. Well, the court's involved this time, so it's the first time. But, and okay, so at this point, the judge throws his pencil over the air. He's like, okay, reverse the orders. That's it. That's all I need to hear. And then I was just like, I was bawling, you know, like shit. Like, wow, finally, fucking finally, finally fucking seen this shit. You know what I mean? And um, my attorney's like, you know, and and so the 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 orders were exactly the same. They're just flip flops, you know. And uh, I had thought that one of the reasons that he had did that because I don't just I I'm I'm skept skeptical about a lot of things that normal people like you and I are. I, I yeah, analyze yeah. everything. I, I, I look at it from all angles. I'm not tunnel visioned. And I said, you know why this ha happened? It's because I filed a complaint against the commission of judicial performance against him. And he had to have read it, even though, you know, it's in liberal, you know, Sacramento. And I got a letter of denial with them still citing for the judge after I listed 24 different items, six of them being gross negligence. I thought, okay, well, he thinks he's under heat and uh yeah that's it's, it's it's cya time yeah you know, time to cover your ass before it gets roasted exactly so but you know getting into it because i this might run to segment number three um i was like that's just what i took it but but regardless of the situation or what what happened i got my son i got my son back to his hometown back where he's a fourth generation back with all of his lifetime friends back with his great-grandmother, grandmothers, grandfathers, uncles, aunts, nieces, cousins, or not uh, nieces, but cousins, you know? And uh, I get him back in the school he's been familiar with. Um, uh, I get him immunized. That was, that was an issue. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, I am up every single day, every morning, I'm up. I'm making him three-course breakfasts. You know, I, we get up, you know, well, if he wants French toast, I make breakfast sandwiches. I make breakfast burritos. I just, you know, I, I, I cook, you know, like I've said before, I'm driving him to school. I'm taking care of business throughout the day. Um, I get him back from school. He either plays with his friends. I'm there doing his homework with him. Every single night we're doing homework. I'm reading to him, reading with him every single night. Sorry. Oh, take your time, brother.
I'm making five course dinners, four course dinners. I'm making sure that he sees he's his family. You know, the only shit a dad should do, you know? And um, so I, I, I have him back in the routine. He actually has normality. He has stability. He has, he has um, familiarity. You know, like everybody, the people that lived here, there a lot of them are generations deep. You know, and uh, you know, going back to you know his family, you know, being just you know four generations here is just it's it's, it's crazy. Everything's going good. I'm following the court order to a T. I mean, I'm better than perfect. She calls him at her time at four thirty in the afternoon. If we're not home and he's not on his tablet with Wi-Fi, which I can afford. <laughs> It's only 25 bucks, by the way, if you guys are looking. Um, she's talking to him every single day. But from the time that I pick him up at the meeting spots, she's already, she messages him right away. And we don't get the messages until we get it back into town because his, his tablet is, it's a tablet. It's not hooked up to cell service. But I have his account on my phone for the reason that when we're not at home, and we're out on the field or doing what have you, and she needs to call him at the court order time. She can. She uses my phone. Yeah. That's on the Hangouts. Now, remember I told you she was blocked from calling and texting me. And that is for, through the cell service. The Hangouts, she has complete access to, and that has a digital timestamp on it. I mean, the text messages do, but yeah, I understand people say they can be altered. Google Hangouts can't alter it. So that's really curbed. Uh, her attempts at contacting me because if her boyfriend pulls her phone, says, what are you doing? Why are you so Yeah, you he can see everything. So she was able to, to talk to him, video chat on my phone. Um, this These past few months, she was telling the judge, oh, well, I video chat his phone all the time. I took a screenshot. The last time I talked to her was like July, like 7th. The date might be wrong, but it's in my file, you know? So my attorney says, well, she sits there and says she lets, she allows him to video chat with him. Here's the timestamp. She hasn't called since July. You know, I don't get that same courtesy. Yeah. You know, but the thing that really pissed me off is the time that I had him, she would get on the tablet. Oh, I drove by the football field and your, your team is out there and they're practicing without you. And they just look so sad. I could tell they want you back. And, your dog, your dog comes out and sniffs around in the leaves and, and, and he really misses you and your brother and sister cry for you every night. And, and then it's the allure of, oh, when you get back, we're going to go buy you some new hunting gear. We're going to buy you this. We're going to buy you that. Oh, look, your son got, your, your brother got GTA 5. So if you guys don't know what GTA 5 is, it's a PlayStation game rated for adults, NC-17, where you know, you're, you're a career criminal. You're out carjacking. And I, let me, I play it. My, my son was 18. I played it, you know, it's, but I'm an adult and I know the difference between all that, but you're carjacking, you're, uh, you're smoking meth. You're going to strip joints. You're beating up hookers. You're the whole point of the game to succeed to the game is do bank heists to just uh, kill cops, cop killing game. Go out there. You can walk into the police station and mow a bunch of cops down. Basically, it's, crim it's a criminal in training kind of thing. Exactly. You know, and, and so, first of all, you know, her, her son that got it, he's almost 13 years old. Um, my son at the time was eight. Well, he's still eight. And there would be no way in hell 
that if we were still together, that shit would fly. Even, even, even if I would agree to it, which I wouldn't have, she'd be like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But this is the allure. This is like, look, we got, and that's the, all the kids want to play that. That's the hottest game. Even now, all the kids want to play GTA five, you know? So it was guilt tripping that he was with me, making him feel bad because all the parents at, at the, at the school rally were asking about him and, and wishing he would come back home. The sister and brother crying and bawling for him. And they're not crying and bawling for him to come back. They're crying and bawling because they want to get the fuck out of there and come back with me. You know, so it got to the point where even when she would call on her times, I say, hey, your mom's calling. He'd be like, you know, but and to be fair, he does that with me, too, because yeah. he's had. Well, he's, you know, he's at that age also, you know, because my son did that a lot yeah. of times, you know, so I, I definitely understand what you're saying there. Yeah. So and, and he does it to me, too. But also but the difference is the psychological abuse that she that she that she's putting on on them. You know, so I follow the court order to T even to the point where. My attorney said, you know what? You don't you, you can't follow that court order like that. And I'm like, what am I so so you're telling me to violate the court order? Like I, I'm not I'm not trying to lose my kid. You know, it took me fucking a year and thirty-five thousand to get him. I finally got him. And now and now everybody's telling me, well, you're allowing her too much access. And I am. I agree with that hundred percent. You know, but once this, this order was reversed, this is supposed to be permanent. You know, like it's it, it's it's supposed to be permanent. And uh, so I have him, I'm doing everything to a T and he's getting psychologically trampled on again. You know, there's times that he, that he had hung up the conversation with his mom and he was teary eyed, you know? And I, I just, I got it. Like to put a kid through that, to make a kid feel that way because the kids with me and, and, and you are actually what I had thought were found out to be inept and unstable and, and, and and I had proved my case. Now you're you're inundating our son with guilt, and you're giving him these fake promises. So when you know minors counsel would would come up to him and they go visit, you know, what do you do with your what do you do at your mom's house? Oh, uh, we just sit on the couch and I play Xbox and my tablet. Okay, well, what do you do with your dad? He takes me fishing. He takes me shooting. We go to circus circus. He takes me to our friend's house. He rents boats. He takes his fishing. And he's sitting there just off the top of his head, all the shit that I do with him. You know what I mean? So it's funny because, you know, when, when he's sitting there at my house and he's doing this video chat with his mom, they're doing all these great adventures. We're going camping. We're going hunting. We're going Utah to the skate park. I wish you could go because I want to buy you a scooter. We're going to your grandma's house and we're going to go ride the ATVs out, out in the field. It's like, so you do all this shit when, when he's here with me. But when he's sitting there with you and he sits there and tells you and minors counsel and the judge, I don't do shit with my mom. You know, it, it, now all of a sudden when he's here, you're doing all this shit without him. You know, what do you do for, what do you do for school? Uh, uh, kids, mom. Uh, oh, well, they get up in the morning. I feed him cereal, drop him off at the bus stop. And supposedly the cop, I mean the cop, the judge is all about this scholastic. Oh, he's doing great in school. He's doing great in school because when she was allowed to keep him, um, she had submitted court documents from the school showing his achievements and in, in, in his grades and everything, which were falsified. Obviously, he had 19 absences in a span of two months, 10 of them inexcused, and he was considered a habitual truant oh, wow. from his school. And that was the judge 
completely overlooked that. So, so she comes to court and she says, look, I got all the absences excuse. And my attorney is like, how did you get 10 absences out of 19 absences excuse on the drop of a hat? Oh, because my husband has to have surgery. So we have to drive to Utah. Then again, admitting violating the court or taking my kid out of state with my written permission. And, oh, we're in Utah all the time and we have to go to Idaho. And, got, and just, oh, yeah, well, you got a family member in the hospital. I, I guess that's okay. Like, when I was in the hospital, we lived down there. I, I went to the hospital. I said, kids go to school. And that, that's what happened. So you got to take your kids out of school for 20 times in, in two months because your husband's having surgery again? Didn't care because, you know, the scholastic proof that I proved, I had teachers write me letters. I had the district superintendent write me letters on my behalf about not just our son in common, but the kids there and all their awards, all their perfect attendance, their the scholastic achievements. But when it comes for me, it doesn't mean shit. But that's what the judge is really about, is about this scholastic, you know, background. And then she submits all this bullshit. So when he was in his last school, the, the one that he went to before this last one, after they just moved a few months ago, I wasn't even listed as an emergency contact. I called the school and I said, hey, my name is Damien Chango. I need you guys to email me my son's paperwork. Oh, you know, we, we can't talk to you. Um, we heard that you were, uh, you're, you are fighting a kidnapping charge and you're not even allowed on campus. And I'm like, oh, the kidnapping charge is bullshit. And I said, the judge threw it out. The judge handed her contempt and, and, and uh, uh, contempt and to, to pay my attorney fees. Well, you're going to have to come in and, and see us face to face, but you might need a police escort, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not getting shit. So let me go back to the, the judge thing. When, when, from the last segment and last week, when I told you that I was, I had my legal counsel and the judge here in, in Mammoth Lakes on the phone with my legal counsel and Elko and the judge and Elko fighting the kidnapping charge. Um, and after the judge had said she needs to pay my attorney fees, she's going to be held in contempt for lying. This is how diabolical she is. I'm, I emailed my attorney, my, uh, the, the lawyer attorney firm in Elko. I said, hey, what's going on with the restoration of my attorney fees? And she said, you know what? I need to email you something. I just got a, a, a letter of disqualification from, from the judge, Judge Kaysen. And I was like, disqualification? Okay. So he sent me the letter of disqualification because of conflict of interest. So I'm like, okay, I'm reading on. Her, her, her other son, he was in class and she found, I, I don't know, going through a yearbook or going through a, a, a school function, but found a, a, a boy with the last name of Kaysen, which was the judge's name. And she made her son befriend him. So he was over there spending the night, having sleepovers. He was over there playing, you know, with the judge's son while she just sat back. And then at one point he says, my, my mom, and you know, your mom is who? And he said, and then that was it. And at that point he had to send me a letter of disqualification because my, uh, my stepson had been playing with them for a month or two at that point. Yeah. And that's, the judges that, that, is, that is pretty goddamn diabolical right there. Yeah. So yeah, she's smart. She's calculated and it's, you know, and it's that and pointing that out to the judge, didn't give a shit, you know, like, Oh my God. Like she just went and hunted out a kid. And now all of a sudden our case. So now I don't know if I'm going to get my attorney fees. 
Um, I don't know if the contempt charge is going to hold. I have, I'm going to have to press, press that, you know, more to get it done. But, um, yes, yeah, so go back with that judge. So, um, Damien, let me ask you this. So I've been kind of thinking about this as you were talking um, last week and then in this week. Do you think this judge even has a clue that he's getting played? I mean, do you think he understands that fact that she is nothing but bullshit from the word go? I honestly do because there's been a couple times in court that he has even said, I know you're lying to me. Okay. But when you have such immunity, when you can flat out tell the judge, I'm not going to follow your court order. I'm going to piss on your court order and do what I want. And he's like, oh, well, you probably don't want to, but okay, whatever. At that point, it's a moot point. You do what the hell you want to do and because you know there are no repercussions. Now, my theory is um, I'm thinking that the reason she has so much immunity and she has so much power is because her dad was a sheriff here for like 20 years. So, but my mom, my mom was a cop for 13, but, you know, in a different jurisdiction down in San Diego, you know, but regardless of what your family did or, or whatnot, and I, and I might be wrong about it, I could be wrong about it, he, he, could, just, he could just be a liberal POS, but that's the only thing that I can think of after everything that I've shown and everything I've proven and all the lies that she's admitted to. I mean, think about it. She, her evidence that she submits is her admitting violating the court order multiple times every time oh well he got he had 19 absences because i take him to utah because my husband's having surgery oh i let my mom take him to Charles idaho for christmas safe to say at this point she just she doesn't give a fuck yeah because she knows she doesn't give a shit about any of that i mean yeah. basically she's wiping her ass with those court documents yeah, and the judge is. is just letting her do it yeah so and it always goes back down to like I said before, she, she, you know, I, I was willing to work with her in the beginning, but every time the court orders a certain way, it gets changed to her liking. So when I would try and call my kid at 4.30 and she wouldn't answer, she's like, oh, well, we're just getting home and, 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 and everything. Because she would tell me, and I have, I have proof of that too, you either call your son at the designated time you're gonna, you want to you call him or you're not going to talk to him at all. So I, if I call at 4.31, she's not answering the phone. Yeah, but but then going back to the text message and 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 the, the attention diversion and, and all that other BS, you know. So the judge like, okay, well, how about we change the call time to seven thirty? Would that be best for you, Mrs. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. So it gets changed to seven thirty. Okay, cool. No, no contempt, no nothing. I'm still not being able to talk to my kid. Well, why is that? Well, my kids have sports and they have school at night. They have school at night. Whoa, shit. I'm, I'm in seventh grade. And I'm in, I'm at school at six thirty, seven thirty at night. My kids have sports, so that time doesn't work for me. You know, and oh, okay, well, I, I get that. I understand that. So let's just go ahead and make it back to five thirty. But the, going back to the thing where she has twenty four access, twenty four seven access to our son when he's with me. I even call the minute I'm supposed to, if she answers, and then I'm going through this bullshit of her tickling him and playing with him, and we're trying to talk. Or he's sitting in between them two. And, and it's completely proven time and time and time and time again, alienation. And all it is is accommodating her by bending and twisting the court order, which I brought up uh, in the last court case, which will probably run into the next segment. And um, with no repercussions, no repercussions, no, no repercussions with, uh, you know, not even being a judge, you don't even defend my civil and, and ethical liberties. This lady tried to have me arrested for kidnapping. 
She follows a fake restraining order army that goes absolutely nowhere. I proved alienation with the other two kids from the other point over and over and over again to the point where my son has even told minors counsel, my mom doesn't let me talk to my dad when I want. I can't talk to my dad. That's documented too. That's in the that's in minors counsel report. And and all he wants to keep doing, well, this changes meeting time to this. Well, this changes call time to that. How about you do your fucking job and slap her in the goddamn slammer for 30 fucking days and see how quick she changes her attitude because this has gone on far enough. I can understand the first couple of trials, you know, when he's trying to feel it out because the story is so bizarre and 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 her 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 person, her mentality, her how strategic she is. I understand that, you know, I'm making these claims like there's no way a mom would do that to their kid. They're everywhere. They yeah. are everywhere. You know, and you just feed into it and you sit there and you play with your little post-it note and acting all smug. And I get into a pissing contest with her over the phone because I can't talk to my kid because you're not doing your job. And you sit there and you tell my attorney, you need to control your client. While she's over here making outbursts, threatening my attorney in the courtroom, she has flat out told the judge no. When the judge reversed, reversed the court order last August, mm -hmm. he said, minor child is going to decide with the father. She said, no, he's not. Hung up in his face. Jesus. Like everybody, even the county clerk, there's like, you could hear a gasp. And I was like, that's it. That's a, that seals the deal because there, there's no judge that's going to that's gonna deal with that. Yeah. That, that uh, form of disrespect, you know? And it and sure as shit, that obviously, look around, my, my kid ain't here. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if that's, we're going to keep rolling or if that's for, you know, part three, but. All right. Well, Damien, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get your information out there about where the folks can take a look at everything, your Google drive okay. and everything. Okay. So my Google drive, um, you guys are gonna have to email me with it so I can send you specific keys. I just want to make sure I know everybody out there has the right intention, but I don't want this to float around and get in the wrong hands. to where well, my documents. I'm sorry. What's that? It's better safe than sorry, you know. Yeah, because I don't want people to come there and edit it and, and, and exactly. omit information, especially, you know, the, the enemy party. Um, here's my 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 uh, paper. And from what I heard last week, my son Malachi, um, he said he couldn't really see the paper really well, but I'll, I'll read everything out. Um, uh, my website, I'm working on my website now. Uh, my whole story is my foundation for my, my, my story page on it. Um, the site is registered, so I don't know if that's legible. Oh, yeah, it's legible. I can read it. Okay, so the Facebook is Recall Judge Magic. My Instagram is Recall underscore Judge underscore Magic, and Magic is spelled M-A-G-I-T. Um, my email address if you want access to the drive and all my evidence and for any questions you may have, or if you need any, any pointers on, on, on how to try to take on the system uh, is info at recalljudgemagic.com. And my website will be recalljudgemagic.com. But like I said, it's not active because I'm still building it. Um, my Facebook and my Instagram, they have links to the change.org petition for this judge's recall. I've been trying to work with the, the California State Attorney General, which for whatever reason has been has been helpful, which I'm, I'm surprised because, you know, our liberal values are in California. So um, that's that. If uh, info at the info at recalljudgemagic.com, if you guys need access to the drive and you want to see for yourself. And I mean, just for the entertainment value itself, you guys might want to just read it while you're drinking a beer and, <laughs> and just 
completely flabbergasted at at this shit show that's that's been commencing for 18 months and fifty thousand dollars between two different jurisdictions and two different states and two different courts yeah it's it's pretty unreal so um we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode and we're gonna have you again next week for the conclusion of your story and what i'll do is i'll go ahead and put all that information in the show notes so that uh anybody that's looking for the information will be right there where they can just click on it and go from there all right yeah and um like i said my website when i get it built it's going to be a really good tool because uh and i just want to reiterate what we said last week it's really important my my website isn't a website for you to go out go after and attack justices and judges because you're you're sore um the tools that i supply it shows you how to file a complaint with the commission of judicial performance and depending on your jurisdiction and what state you're in, California most likely go nowhere. Um, there is a instructional uh, instructions on how to appeal to the Supreme Court to take it up to the next higher court. But then again, being in California, it's hit or miss. Um, and it is the uh, link to the petition and how to do a, a, a change.org petition and the resources you need to um, try and have somebody look into your judges, uh, referees, or officials' code of conduct. And this is not for people that are pissed off because they got a DUI and then they end up losing their kid because they crashed into a building and they want to get back to the judge. This is for people like us that are getting fucked on a daily basis. And I'm sorry to be that term, but I just that's how I want to put yeah, that over. That's the truth. Yeah. yeah. That's the truth. There's, and, you know, really no better way to say it than that because, you know, as fathers, we are getting fucked. Yeah. And, and I, and I will uh, say if I have somebody that comes up to me wanting uh, help and I do my due diligence and I find out that you're not doing it for the right reasons and the resources will be there for you, but I won't help you any further because it's not, it's not a tool to be abused. I have, I have, uh, I have a, a mission. I also want to make the point that I want anybody out there that knows about writing new legislation. I'm going to try passing legislation for judges and attorneys that have never experienced parenthood, that have never had children of their own, to eradicate them from this part of the system because this is completely absurd, it's unacceptable. And I, I bet you, you know, 50% have this judge been a parent himself, it wouldn't have gone on this far. And you know, you sit back, when a judge makes a decision for a child to be in a certain spot, he's also saying, yes, I would allow my children to be in that position. And I know for a fact there's not anybody out there, judge or not, that would let my child spend a weekend with these people, let alone live live the lifestyle they do of instability and unpredictability and psychological trauma. Absolutely. And I think that's a great point. I definitely think that is something that needs to be explored. You know, like you said, you know, if a, if a judge or attorney does not have kids, they should not be in the family court. Just plain yeah. and simple. It's the same thing. So I, I, take, my, I take my car down to McDonald's. I said, hey, I want you guys to service my transmission fluid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not going to let you get, get on there with tools. You, you know how to make hamburgers and fries, you know, delicious hamburgers. But I'm not going to, there's no way they like, you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. So why are you going to sit there and try to fix a car when you have no, no auto, auto mechanic experience? Yep, exactly. And, thing, it, and, and, this is, and this is severe. These are, these are children's lives. These are parents' lives. These are relationships that are being decimated constantly across the country by unqualified and biased judges. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with you. All right, Damien, on that note, 
we are going to go ahead and end it for tonight. And then we'll have you on next week for the finale to your story. All right. Excellent. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, my friend, you have a great night and I will be in touch. All right. Thank you everybody for watching and helping. Take care. Thanks. All right, guys. Well, you know, that was episode two in Damien's story, you know, it pretty fucking crazy. You know, that judge just blows my mind. You know, and Damien's got an excellent point, you know, for judges and attorneys. If you do not have a child, you know, you shouldn't be in the family court system because you're messing with people's lives. You know, if, if you don't have that experience of raising a child, you know, why are you dictating what someone else should do with their child? I mean, that's a very excellent point. And so that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Once again, I'm Alan Donovan, and this has been The Father's Truth. Everybody have a great night.